Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, dear listeners, or maybe it's just my mom and my relatives for now. Welcome to Owning It, the anxiety podcast with me, your host, Caroline Fortin. So if you're familiar with my name already, you will know that I am the author of Owning It, which is a book that is all about anxiety, how to manage it, um, and also the author of The Confidence Kit, which followed on from that, and as the title suggests, was all about how to build your confidence. So I have been meaning to this podcast for quite a long time. I've been asked about different topics to explore. People have been like, why haven't you done a podcast yet? And the truth is, I have just been putting it off, procrastinating, very intimidated by uh, not just the technology involved. I'm currently sitting here with a sock over my recorder because that is how advanced I am. And also the fact that I, I fall into a trap of social comparison, which I'll explore in more detail, where I'm thinking about all the other podcasts that exist in the world and thinking, well, I could never do something like that or mine would never be good enough or who would want to listen to me. So in acknowledging the irony of that and the fact that the podcast is about anxiety, I can't really put it off for too much longer. So if you've been familiar with the books, thank you. And thank you for your messages that you've sent me because I would say on a daily basis now, I get a message from someone on different corners of the world telling me that the book has resonated with them. Either they've just really found it relatable and that I was sort of speaking their language and the amount of times people say, wow, it's like I'm reading my own words. And then there's also the people who say, do you know what? I had no idea how shit anxiety can be and I've never experienced it. But now I have a better understanding of my girlfriend or my friend or my, my family member who, who struggles with anxiety. So I had no idea when I brought the book out the extent to which people were actually struggling and how many people there were who felt just like I did. Obviously, the nature of anxiety is that when you're when you're right in the thick of it you feel like you're the only person you look at everyone else thinking they're fine and you're not and that's just not the case so I wanted to sit down and, and give some time 
to a podcast that explores the topics that I covered in the book with a little bit more freedom and wiggle room and also there's a lot of topics that I've been asked about um, that I maybe didn't get to go into so much detail on or also things that have cropped up since the book came out uh, because as, as I said in the book and as I always say just because I've written a book on anxiety that was a bestseller doesn't mean I have it entirely figured out and it's still something that I grapple with from time to time but I do have a very good handle on it these days and I do know that it will never completely get the better of me again my life the way it did back in 2014 which is where my story begins well my story really begins in 1988 when I was born uh, but my anxiety didn't really take hold and rule the roost un- until that that fateful year which eventually brought me here so a little sort of intro on what you can expect with the podcast um for today it's just me I want to just give you a chance to get used to my voice maybe it's just so that I can get used to listening to my voice I want to lay the foundations. I want to introduce maybe people who are new to owning it and the confidence kit to me and the sort of stance I take on anxiety, which is obviously very bullshit free. And that's not to rubbish anything else that exists in the world. It's just that when I was struggling with anxiety, I craved something very practical and not woo woo or or airy fairy or, you know, really, if you came at me talking about chakras, I was like, go away, like, I can't, that's not going to work for me. I wanted really based on scientific research um, experience and theory and, and, and information that was really going to give me a way through the fog that is anxiety. So that's the tone of this podcast as well. We will be covering different topics that relate to anxiety and, and always through the lens of a bullshit free perspective. So I hope that you're on board with that. And uh, I don't mean to offend anyone who is into the chakras and all that, you know, as I say in the book, it really is whatever works for you is is the main thing. So yeah, over the course of the podcast, I will be joined by different guests, some of whom have experienced really bad anxiety themselves, who will share their stories and their sort of tools for managing it. But also um, a mixture of experts who are far more qualified than I would ever be to comment on things such as um, medication or nutrition, fitness, exercise, that kind of thing. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it's really important for me personally to revisit owning it regularly and to remind myself of the tools and techniques and know that anxiety is something that can sort of crop up at any time so I always want to be refreshed on on exactly what it is and and why it's happening and what I need to do to get myself back on an even keel. So some of the topics that we will be discussing I've been asking on social media what would you like to hear about or what do you really want to explore and the response was overwhelming um, and positive, but some of the things included anxiety and sleep. You know, that was something that I really struggled with myself, which we'll go into. And also, again, the idea of, of someone who doesn't have anxiety trying to understand it and be a really good support system for the person in their life that does have it. So how to, the language around dealing with someone with anxiety or, you know, how to speak to them, how to make them feel is something that we will explore as well. And then there will be the sort of difficult topics such as medication, which is always a slightly uncomfortable one. And I guess it is so because of the stigma that still surrounds medication in Ireland. And medication is a route that I I chose to go down because I was so, so bad, so ill with anxiety that um, I felt it was the right choice for me. And that's something I've always found difficult to talk about, um, especially when it comes to interviews on TV or radio, because, you know, you don't want to come across like you're telling everyone to just give up and and 
go and take drugs um, and, and not address the problem. You know, you have to be so careful with the language you use around medication. So hopefully here now I'll have a bit more time to discuss my approach to medication and the right way to go about it if, if there is such a way. For today, I just, I thought it would make sense to go right back to the very beginning and tell my story, which I've done a thousand times. And to be honest, I've gotten sick of hearing me say the same thing. But as this is my podcast and I can sort of call the shots, um, I wanted to, to go back to, you know, where it all began, uh, which is actually a very unriveting, if, if that's a word, story. It's not exciting. It's not, it's not dramatic. There's nothing major that happened in my life that brought me to a point of really struggling with anxiety. But that's kind of the point. Uh, and that's what I want people to realize is that you don't have to have gone through something really traumatic to justify your feelings of anxiety, whatever it might be for you. So don't expect to be particularly inspired or encouraged or, or feeling uplifted by today's podcast because I'm I'm really going to talk about how shit it was um, and I don't want to sugarcoat that. But hopefully you will relate to it or it'll sound familiar or you'll feel a little bit less like you're the only person in the world, um, which I said is just such a, a key characteristic of anxiety. But also know that once I've laid those foundations we will get straight on to the business of understanding it and getting our head around it and obviously looking at the various ways of managing it and owning it so that you can live your life to the full, which I really feel like I am now. And all I wanted when when I was really struggling was to hear from someone who was just like me, who wasn't a professional, who was just a normal person and who knew how awful it felt and had lived to tell the tale so I really hope that I can be that person for you that makes you feel as though there's light at the end of the tunnel and there is a way of living with anxiety so that it's not just something that doesn't get you down but something that maybe is a positive thing in your life uh, because there's that side of it too so yeah let's go back to the very very beginning I always begin the story of my anxiety in 2014 when I'm doing radio interviews or or other people's podcasts or tv shows because just I don't know who has the time to talk about your whole life um here for the purposes of this podcast I will go a little bit further back to um my childhood uh which again was pretty rosy on all accounts I had there was nothing traumatic or you know I wasn't abandoned or left alone or anything like that but I always felt sick in my tummy and Back then in the 90s, um, there was no awareness at all about um, mental health issues like that. Uh, You know, unless you were locked up in an asylum for being a schizophrenic, that was like what we thought of as mental health. We didn't think of it as, you know, something more day to day or normal that, that anyone can have and that it doesn't have to be an illness, but it can be something that you just struggle with. Um, so yeah I remember just feeling sick a lot and coming home from school and saying I don't feel well I don't feel well and you know my parents obviously just looking at my stomach as the issue and not thinking is there anything else going on here because again there just was no awareness and the link between the mind and body was just not something that had even really been explored in um, in science Uh, and so you know I just thought it was just kids being kids or maybe eating too much chocolate or you know I, I we kind of did figure out at one point that um, I didn't feel well after I had a bowl of cornflakes Ooh, that reminds me I bought Wheatos yesterday and I really would enjoy a bowl of them right now anyway I digress 
so yeah I'd feel sick when I had a bowl of cereal and it was the milk so maybe when I went off the milk I felt a little bit better which I did but it was kind of always there and I don't really know why the only understanding I have for my anxiety as a kid which I never labeled as such was that as a kid you your ability to store long-term memories is something that develops before your ability to have logic and reason and be rational about things so if at you know six seven eight you have a scary experience which to an adult seems like nothing but to a kid is a really big deal that can kind of that fear response can kind of lodge in your brain um and and stay there with you and because you're the, the part of your brain that is able to rationalize things and say oh this is actually all this is that hasn't come in yet that doesn't come in until, until a little bit later um till maybe 10 or 11 I think I probably need to double check that number um so if you had experiences as a child that were frightening to you um and your parents would say oh don't be silly it's fine it kind of makes sense that anxiety would sort of start to simmer in that way uh, because you haven't been able to rationalize it and you can't reason with yourself and to you it is a really big scary deal one of the things i can i can think of was my grandparents dying and um, which happens to everyone it's not a big deal um obviously it's not nice but it's not anything out of the ordinary um but my my mom's dad died when she was pregnant with me and my three other remaining grandparents all died within about nine months of each other when i was about seven i remember my my dad's mom uh died before my dad's dad and I would often stay over at their house um when my parents had to go away or, or or couldn't mind us and all of a sudden I was very frightened about being in the house that my nana was in a couple of days ago and suddenly was dead and you know your parents would say things to comfort you like you know don't worry your nana's always with you and I was like what I don't want her to be with me she's a fucking ghost that is terrifying so I just I can remember vividly sitting on my granddad's lap um down in the kitchen and you know it was coming to bedtime and I started to be like oh granddad I don't feel well and he was like okay go up now and do your do your teeth and and do your wee wees and put your pajamas on and I was like oh Christ and I was just terrified upstairs I don't know why I just was haunted by the idea of my nana for some reason I was seven or eight I couldn't I didn't understand death I, I really didn't understand it um and obviously I didn't have the awareness to say to my parents oh I'm scared or anything like that I just kept my mouth shut but just kept saying I don't feel well um and then a very short couple of months later um my granddad then died and my parents god bless them thought maybe bring me into the to the morgue to say goodbye and um maybe that would be some sort of closure for me and I think in retrospect they would have been happier not to have done this because um the coffin it's kind of funny now had uh the lid of the coffin had broken his nose so my granddad who was alive you know yesterday was now uh lying in a coffin blue with a mashed in face and um it's something out of a bloody comedy skit but for me at, at that age I was horrified I didn't understand I was very upset and from then on uh, for I say was a couple of months I insisted in sleeping in my brother's room with him Uh, I couldn't sleep on my own I was petrified and you know 
again, it just wasn't something that back then you would have really sat down and maybe addressed with your child um, to the extent that we would sort of be a bit more clued in these days um, and you'd know maybe not to take your kid to see dead bodies. Um, so those kind of things, I think, were very anxiety-inducing or, or definitely fear-inducing um, that happened in my life, you know, that you wouldn't think twice of as an adult um, that sort of start to sow the seed or plant the seed of anxiety in, in a child's mind. Um, and that would have kind of stayed with me then, you know, not that memory, but, you know, I would have forgotten about the memory, but um, the slight disposition towards anxiety and, and being a little bit nervous and being scared and not liking when my parents weren't there. And, and um, you know, my parents both worked full time. And again, this is not to say that was so, you know, negligible of them or negligent on their front not at all it's just you know that's what you have to do I I was just because I was a little bit fragile emotionally I just craved the comfort of my parents especially my mom um and I remember one of her working arrangements uh one year she was able to take a half day every Wednesday and pick me up from school and I never felt sick on a Wednesday and it was the happiest moment each week of my life when at half one she'd pick me up and we'd go and we'd make lunch together um, and I just never it's just funny looking back now like things you don't realize that why didn't I ever feel sick when I was perfectly comfortable um, and why did I only feel sick when I wasn't because that is how anxiety was manifesting in me and that's how it would continue to manifest for me as I grew older um, until such time came as I actually realized okay this is actually what's going on here um, so so then all through school all through secondary school um well, actually, no, for the first few, few years of secondary school, I was I was pretty okay. I was getting pretty confident. Uh, I was making friends and, you know, doing fairly well in, in the very harsh world of um, adolescence, which I just dread to think of ever having kids and them having to go through it because we didn't have social media then, which adds a whole other layer of, um, of anxiety, I'm sure, uh, in school time. So I remember it was the summer before transition year. No, sorry, it was the summer after transition year. And I had been dying to go away on a trip with two of my friends um, who one of them had, a ho- her family had a holiday home in Italy and we'd gone the year before and had a ball and I was adamant that we go again and the, you know, the girls only really wanted to go for a week or so and I was like, no, like we have to go for as long as possible. Um, so we went for two weeks and I, again, I don't know what was happening under the surface with me, but the night we arrived um, and it was in the countryside in Italy so there, I wasn't really like, you know, it was a pretty long drive from the airport, a bit, bit obscure location. Um, and that night I was like, I don't feel well. And I had a very upset tummy and I felt sick. And I was like ringing my mom thinking, Jesus, there's something wrong with me. And even she wouldn't have had the awareness. And we we're like, maybe it's a bug. A couple of days go by. I'm still feeling sick. I'm like, I'm not going out anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. The girls were going out um, with local Italian boys at night and having fun. And, you know, the year before I would have been well up for it. But this year I was like, no, I can't. And God, if I only knew then what was wrong with me was that I was just really scared. I was suddenly feeling very vulnerable to be away from home, away from my comforts. I was probably pushing myself a little bit further than I was ready to be in terms of, um, you know, flying solo. And uh, for whatever reason, just at that time in my life, I was 16. I just started to get very insecure in myself without realizing it. And it manifested, as I said, in, in my tummy. And what was really funny thinking about it now is that I always felt fine during the day when we were at the beach and I felt obviously safe and quite content there but it's every night when the girls were then going to go out with these boys who I didn't really know and I wasn't really sure if I trusted and um, then I start to feel sick 
and it was a really convenient excuse to be able to stay in and because you know at that age you're not going to turn around to your friends and say I'm just a bit nervous or you'd feel like the biggest loser going and it's not only that like it wasn't that I just was like oh I'm just going to say it's my tummy I didn't even know that I was scared I all I could see was the the stomach issues so it was going to be a long time before I would you know wrap my head around that Um, and then I was days go by and I'm still feeling really unwell and my mom is saying maybe it's you know one of these four day bugs and in my head I was like there's just there's no such thing like it's I'm not violently sick enough for it to be a bug but there's something not right here and I I remember coming home and still feeling unwell this is two weeks later and I wasn't going anywhere and I was in and out of hospital then um because you know we were trying to figure out what it was um I had all different kinds of tests and cameras up and down and in and out everywhere possibly they could go in my body to try and find something that was making me have um such a bad tummy which I suppose at the time they diagnosed as IBS which is a bit of a a cop-out really I think it's a bit of an umbrella term for anything that they can't diagnose um and these days I would say IBS is is the digestive issues definitely brought on by stress and anxiety Uh, but again I had no clue back then and um I so desperately wanted to find something they woke me up from a colonoscopy and said no you know you're not celiac there's nothing wrong your gut is perfectly healthy everything looks fine and I was devastated because was I just going mad what was wrong with me um and it just kind of got worse and worse and I remember my friends and my boyfriend at the time who was definitely getting very fed up with me because I was no fun and I was sick and I was in my pajamas all the time I didn't want to go anywhere they were like come on we go to this person's party and I was like every fiber of my being wanted to not go um but I felt the social pressure of it and you know my friends couldn't understand they were like how are you still sick like what kind of sickness is it that you still that you're still sick for and I was like I don't know so I tried to like turn it into this sort of phantom illness that had just struck me down and, and nobody else I mean nobody else in my year as far as I'm aware was going through the same thing everyone was dying to get as far away from their parents as possible go and have parties and experience things and I was the complete opposite I didn't want to be out of my mother's sight I got very dependent on her and um, so when we went to this party which meant you know no comfort of parents a, a different environment I wasn't used to and I just was so ill I had a really really bad violent panic attack in the bathroom upstairs and you know everyone was drinking and having a great time and I was just like couldn't have been further away from what everyone else was experiencing and I felt so alone and I rang my parents and demanded that they come back and get me and I remember at this that was a really low point as a teenager of feeling like why what's wrong with me like why am I sort of broken and everyone else is is so up for everything um and it really was it was horrible and I guess I probably was a bit depressed at the time because of it because by the contrast to to what everyone else was experiencing I seemed to be um, the only person dealing with this and what made it infinitely worse was not knowing that it was anxiety and not having any understanding of it and I'll always say that you know no matter what once you have an understanding of what anxiety is why it's happening how normal it is how it's manifesting for you and how then how to deal with it life becomes so much easier so I kind of just carried on I learned ways to manage my tummy and you know lost tons of weight very much lived within a very restricted comfort zone um but I was managing it and I didn't really 
I didn't really know that I wasn't living outside my comfort zone because I didn't want to know. Do you know the way? Like I didn't want to push myself outside it. So once I was within those confinements, I was fine. Um, and then through college, you know, I, it came up again where people were going on J1s or going on these mad trips away. And I was like, no, I couldn't think of anything worse. You know, whatever about a night away, three months on the other side of America with people doing, you know, all kinds of God knows, experimenting with drugs and, you know, parties every night, keg parties and um, all kinds of things. I was just, I remember. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Remember, I agreed to go because I was so embarrassed about, you know, saying, oh, I'm just scared. Um, so I agreed to go. And the night I agreed to go, I came home and I was so violently ill. And I, my body was just like, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. But my mind obviously wasn't there yet. And so I opted out of it and um, it's one of the worst things I ever had to do at that age, you know, when you feel so, like so much is hinging on your social life and without it, you feel sort of invisible and irrelevant. And again, people just were like, why don't you always want to come out? Like, why do, why do you always want to stay home? Like, I had the biggest DVD collection in Ireland, I would say. Um, and I had all sorts of excuses such as, you know, I got myself a little part-time job and I was like, oh, no, I have to stay home for the summer and work. But I got myself that job so that I couldn't go. So I had an excuse. Um, and then I guess I got used to it again. I, I, you know, I avoided certain things and avoidance technique was was helping me, not that it was in any way helpful. Um, and then, I, you know, I went to the, the university I went to. Um, I literally decided I'm going there regardless of what course I do because it's a stone's throw from my house I wouldn't even look at other opportunities elsewhere because if, if it was far away I was going to be very anxious about it and um, so I only went to Dublin City University and luckily I found a course there that I wanted to do but like I had no idea to the extent at which I was living my life completely ruled by anxiety um, and then I again I kind of found my feet and, and I, I, I eventually I, I got a job then when I graduated and um, started to feel a little bit more sure of myself, a bit more confident and the tummy issues seemed to sort of go away and, the, you know, the anxiety wasn't so much of an issue. I felt I had normal anxieties that, you know, anyone had such as I was going off to interview 
movie stars as part of my job in London and anyone would be a bit terrified about the prospect of that so I didn't really feel too bad about it um and I, I by all accounts I'd sort of that's just a bird outside the window um I was sort of living my life as, as I thought to the full and doing well and doing okay and I never really wanted to open up the Pandora's box of the anxiety because it once it wasn't really an issue I didn't want to know about it um but then obviously it, it would eventually come back to bite me in the arse which happened in 2014 uh, which was my anus horribilis so here we are it's 2014 um Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin are in the midst of consciously uncoupling or whatever that bloody bollocks was um I'm working as editor in entertainment of the having worn my way up from intern level and I'm doing great and feeling like I can probably achieve a lot more than I used to think I was capable of. These days my tummy issues really aren't that much of a thing. It's something that I figured I've just grown out of, didn't really want to address it anymore. I'm flying to London every odd week to interview movie stars which was just so exciting and totally worth the 4am starts and the selfie if you were lucky enough to get one. My photo with Robert Pattinson of Twilight fame remains a career highlight and full disclosure I did get a gift of that photo printed onto a mouse pad which I still use. So that work was a huge push outside my comfort zone but any anxiety surrounding that was totally normal and once I'd done the interview and hadn't made an arse of myself or, or lunged at the actor the anxiety would be gone and I think because I was doing well in work I thought I had to keep pushing myself and you know beyond the next thing. Uh, all the time always keep pushing and when I had made it to the editor level and I was like you know okay that's great but where can I go from here and that was a mistake now I think looking back I had just no appreciation for the fact that I loved my work and I loved who I worked with and I earned good money and I had a great lifestyle and I just wish I could have just seen the value of that and enjoyed that for a while without putting myself under so much pressure I was obsessed with my CV or my resume depending on where in the world you're listening to Hopefully it's not just still my mum. Hello, mammy. I hope you're enjoying so far. So I was in conversation with the founder of a company called Love in Dublin, which at the time was probably the most talked about new online publication. And there was a lot of excitement around it. And it was fresh and new and innovative. And I was offered the role of editor. So it was a startup opportunity and it was a chance to really get in there and work from the ground up and build something and be part of something. And it just sounded like something I had to do. So I left my job. I left my lovely, comfortable job that I really wasn't in all that long. And I always wonder now, these days, had I not made that leap, would any of this ever have happened to me? But obviously there's there's no benefit in, in thinking like that now. And sure, like I got a best-selling book out of it, or two, in fact. And I think, as it was a theme running through my life from childhood, the anxiety probably would have reared its head at some point again anyway and this just happened to be it. So also at that time uh, within the same two weeks of starting the new job I had decided to move out of my parents home and in with my boyfriend who's now my husband Barry and that's a sentence I I don't think I'll ever get used to you can't not sound like a knob saying my husband. Anyway moving out so um, this wouldn't be a big deal to most people and I didn't think I was anxious about it at the time I was really excited in fact But thinking back, given my mindset and how much I associated my family home with comfort and how much of a home bird I'd become all my life, it actually was a really huge shift for me to take this leap. And I think on some subconscious level, this change was definitely having an impact on me, but I just didn't realise it at the time. 
So to have that happen at the same time as starting a new job, which as it turns out, I really did not like at all. It just wasn't right for me on so many levels. And so all of that together was just a bit much. It wasn't anything specific about the job, although I did feel that what I stood for as a journalist, this sounds very, um, who do I think I am? But what I stood for as a journalist and a professional was kind of being compromised. And I realise now that whenever you're in a situation where your core values or your core beliefs or the principles that you live by are being compromised, anxiety will probably rise up but I'm sure plenty of other people would have really thrived or taken to it so I think it was just timing for me. I knew in my body from day one that I had made a mistake and almost instantly the stress of that realisation and the knowing that there was very little I could do about it now started to manifest in my stomach. Surprise surprise. I think I would say I was feeling unwell from about the second day which is pretty much no time at all my body was just like "Mm -mm." so even this time around though I was older I was 24 I think or 25 30 now I still didn't have the awareness to connect the dots between how I was feeling mentally about this new situation I found myself in and how I was feeling physically I got progressively worse and worse with every passing day and I was really starting to unravel first it was all physical then it was emotional and I was afraid to say out loud or even to admit it to myself that I just don't like this job and I don't think I'm able for it. I need to get my shit together and get a grip is what I was telling myself but my body was telling me otherwise and I just felt so weak. So over the next few months I wound up going back down that old road of gastroenterologists and digestive system specialists and just uh, fixating on the stomach issues. Not one professional who I went to see thought or even said to me well, I don't know what they thought, I can't read their mind, but nobody said to me, what is actually going on in your life right now? Or how are you feeling emotionally? And that was 2014, which really isn't that long ago to have had so little awareness of mental health issues or the link between our mind and body. So yeah, I was convincing myself it must be something. And I've shared this story a lot, but I really did believe that maybe I was allergic to the tap water as I'd moved from one side of the city to the other and I don't know maybe there was something weird about the water over there that my stomach couldn't handle I know that sounds so stupid and and hilarious now um I believe anything that Google told me it might be you know I had all kinds of cancers imaginable Uh, but that's how far beyond reason I was and that's how much the stress was building up in me and eroding my ability to think logically and rationally and that's not job stress I wasn't a particularly stressful job in itself that was just the internal stress I had of being in a situation that I desperately wanted to get out of. I remember one night googling my symptoms and landing on a page that described ovarian cancer and that was just it for me. I decided that's what it must be, it has to be something and I had one of my first really bad panic attacks this time around in my life. Of course it wasn't any of those things, Um, it wasn't cancer, It, it was just anxiety but for me And I appreciate how stupid this might sound, but that was even more terrifying because it was like I had done this to myself or I had lost my mind or made myself break down. So that night, obviously, I couldn't sleep. I was crying so much. Barry didn't know what the fuck to say to me. And the next morning I said I'd go into work. I didn't know if I had it in me. I was up and trying to get myself ready to go in and I just couldn't put one foot in front of the other. I was putting on mascara and it was going everywhere because my hand was trembling so much. So now I was really starting to experience anxiety symptoms. I was short of breath. I felt like I was losing every bit of defensive armour we have to cope in the world. I felt like I was coming out of my skin or something. Just so exposed and so vulnerable. It was so bizarre. Anyway, I went into town to work on the bus and 
somehow just got lost I was completely disoriented when I got off the bus I didn't know where I was and I was all mixed up and that was so unnerving and I rang my mum in a panic trying to explain that I, I wasn't okay and I said I don't know what's wrong with me I have to just I have to get home and I don't know what's happening and she was like okay okay but I could hear the worry in her voice so I went home sick for the day my boss in fairness to him was very understanding but I just sort of knew that taking the day or even the week off wasn't going to fix me I just didn't have it in me to go back in to be honest and I didn't have it in me to work anywhere I didn't have it in me to go to the shop I didn't have much in me at all except for anxiety and so I had a chat with my parents and my boyfriend and said look I'm not okay at all I don't feel good and it needs to be okay that I'm not okay and I need to not work right now and that was so scary because you know it was so hard for anyone else to understand and I had no plan in terms of how I was going to pay my bills now that I was supposed to be financially independent and also it was still a relatively new relationship with Barry and up until then I had you know been fairly fun loving girlfriend and you know we were always going out for dinner and we went on little trips away but now I was going to need major emotional support and what followed was a period of time where I just didn't leave the house so I don't think I was particularly um, sexy at the time I just mascara running down my face if I even bothered to put it on and a hoodie was about the extent of my my wardrobe it was also scary for me having been someone who always had their eyes on the prize career-wise I think in media in, in Ireland anyway um you're only as good as what you're doing right now or as relevant as what you're doing right now I find and it's all who you know and being connected and networking and you know really being on the scene and I had to pull myself entirely out of the scene but I knew I just had to and I knew at this point that my well-being mattered more and actually from from that point on it would always be my top priority but I knew it mattered more than any relationship or any job or anything I knew I had to take some time out however long that might be I didn't I didn't know how long it was going to be I guess I thought it was just going to be um like a week or so but it was I think it was two months I didn't work for but I needed that time to try and get myself back on my feet and back to feeling like a human being again I'm just so glad that I found the strength then although I did think it was weakness because I couldn't carry on I thought it was weakness that I gave up but actually it was strength that I was willing to sort of give up and give myself that chance and make that decision for myself. So you would think that leaving the job would be enough to make it all go away uh, but unfortunately because I'd been experiencing mounting stress for so long without addressing it, it had now crossed over from stress into full-blown panic attack city anxiety Um, and it wasn't going to be that simple in terms of bouncing back. So that realisation was even more terrifying because now I felt really out of control or like, you know, it was controlling me. I remember the weekend after I quit and everyone in my life or anyone who I had kind of opened up to, I hadn't told many people what was really going on, was thinking, okay, well, you know, she'll probably be fine in a few days and that just wasn't happening. But I was afraid to say that out loud and anyway, my boyfriend suggested that we go out for some food or maybe I suggested it, just trying so hard to be normal. And we went to Wagamama in Dundrum Town Centre which is a pretty big busy department store and we would have to walk through it to get to the restaurant. I felt so sensitive to everything around me, to the lights, music, people. Again it was that really raw vulnerable feeling of being in the sun with no sun cream or something like that. It was just terrifying and I wasn't expecting it but we bumped into someone that we knew who's a lovely guy. God it's not his fault, nothing to do with him. He's a mutual friend of ours and was at our wedding But because of where I was at mentally, uh, just trying to get from point A to point B, this completely threw me. And while nobody else looking at me would ever have known or or thought anything was going on in my mind, on the inside, 
the panic was rising and I was thinking if I have to stand here and chat chit chat for one more second I might actually die it was such a visceral reaction and yeah it wouldn't have registered for anyone else but because I was so much dancing on that line of falling apart it just really threw me so then we got to the restaurant and Barry started to kind of pick up on the fact that I was not quite myself and he was like are you okay and I definitely was not but I said I was fine and I was completely denying my vulnerability until obviously I couldn't deny it any longer. And I've not just, I haven't denied it since, to be honest, which I think is one of my greatest strengths. But in that moment, I was just so upset and so ashamed that I wasn't able to cope with something so normal. And so ashamed that I was really definitely falling apart now. It wasn't just a mood I was in, it was, it was happening. Um, and I had left the job, so I had no reason to still feel that way, or so I thought anyway for some stupid reason anyway we decided to stay and order food and I just sat there crying into a bowl of ramen the poor waiter must have thought Barry had done something really bad to me and it was like in that moment I was actually breaking down this was the breakdown happening and I had to surrender to it and it was terrifying I keep saying the word terrifying but that's the only way I can describe it and Barry himself was terrified looking at me he was so worried the poor thing uh, he just didn't know how to help me and you know wanted to help me but couldn't because I d- didn't understand it myself looking at me nothing was wrong looking at my life nothing was wrong looking at my history there were no red flags or my relationships or anything I should have been okay I I should have been fine why the fuck wasn't I okay why wasn't I fine and from that day I knew it was anxiety and I was just lost I was a shell of myself and I I get quite emotional talking about it because it's just not something you really want to dredge up every day and while I promote the book, and it's obviously something I, t- I talk about, I don't really quite go to um, these depths. Um, it's probably a bit too grim for daytime television. But when the weeks went by and I wasn't getting better and I was having countless panic attacks and suffering so much with the physical symptoms of anxiety, I was waking up with aches and pains in my body from holding my body so tight. I had so much tension. I had a complete overload of cortisol, which is the slower releasing stress hormone being produced in my body that it was sort of stuck in my limbs with nowhere to go. I kind of felt like it was it had crystallised. You know that achy feeling you get when you have the flu in your limbs? That was just constant. And the thing about cortisol is we naturally produce it in the morning to get us up and ready for the day. But I had so much of it already in my body that I didn't need anymore. So when morning came and I had this extra boost, I felt horrific. And that's something I'm always telling people, you know, they're always wondering, why is my anxiety so bad in the morning? I think that's why. So I was home alone all day. Barry was at work. I would drive back to my parents pretty often and my dad wasn't working at the time so he would run a bath for me uh, but he was almost afraid to look at me because he just didn't understand or know what to say and again, that's not his fault. But I would sit in the bath and I would cry until I had turned into a complete raisin. I'd get out of the bath and I'd put on a big baggy hoodie and I would lie in a bed and I would cry until my mom came home. She would suggest going to the cinema maybe as a bit of a distraction and I would try and then I would have a panic attack at the cinema. I was living my life from one panic attack to the next and I was just always, always scared. I wasn't sleeping, which is a form of torture in some parts of the world uh, because I was producing so much cortisol, obviously. And I would just lie there staring at the ceiling at night. That was obviously an added stress because we know everything heals in our sleep and we know enough about sleep to know that It's essential for cognitive function and it's essential for every biochemical reaction in our body. That's just everything is so dependent on good sleep. So everything kind of broke down physically and I even had sore gums from holding my jaw so tight. I thought I was going to have to go to the dentist but it was nothing wrong with my tooth. It was just that I was 
just gritting my teeth all the time. I was in such a tense state all the time. I had no appetite. I couldn't eat. I lost a lot of weight. I felt nervous all the time. I felt like I was about to get up and give a speech all the time. Even in my own bed, I felt that way. I felt like someone was about to murder me at any moment. But obviously that wasn't the case. I was on edge all of the time and all of my thoughts were tinged with fear. I would even watch TV and get anxious thinking about the characters on the screen and how, Jesus, I would never cope if I was in their position, which is just like, why was I doing that to myself? But my mind was just running away and away at me the whole time. And what was so scary was, again, that it was just anxiety. I wasn't actually scared of a potential murderer. I wasn't scared of anything tangible. I was terrified that I had done this to myself, or so I thought, or that I was losing my mind or losing control. And how in the hell would I ever come back to myself? And everyone looked at me like I had two heads. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just nobody understood it. And at the time, really nobody talked about anxiety. Nobody was going to admit it on social media. You know, we were just getting used to our Valencia filters and everything was very curated and nothing was, we weren't showing any of the real life stuff. I find it hard to say, but I did have moments of thinking, you know, well, if this is how my life is going to be, or if this is going to be my experience of life from here on, I, I don't want to be here. Um, I never said that to anyone else at the time, but I thought I always had a way out uh, and that was obviously a particularly low point. But I am so, so far from that now. That is just a million miles from where I am now. It was a grim, dark time in my life and a time that as a generally happy person, I never thought I would find myself facing and with no tangible reason on which to pin the blame. And look, I know there are people who go through far worse where they're dealing with things such as losing a loved one or facing a terminal illness or anything like that. Um, But you don't have to go through something terrible to justify your feelings of anxiety. It can just happen as a result of stress, simple as. And I thought I was on my own in that experience, but as it turned out, this was and is the experience of so, so many people. So yeah, I promise that is as grim as this podcast will get. But I really wanted to give you a no-holds-barred account of how anxiety came to be such a prominent thing in my life. And I didn't want to shortcut it at all. But I want to end now on a slightly more positive note in saying that it really is not an issue for me in my life these days. And I never thought I'd be able to say that. I am happier than I've ever been. I am healthier than I've ever been. I understand myself more than I ever have. I understand anxiety completely. I know my limits. I appreciate myself. I appreciate that maybe I'm more sensitive than the person next to me or the person that I compare myself to on social media. And I learned to own my vulnerability and that is the best thing I've ever done. Crucially though, I did eventually find a way through all that that shit show, which I documented in the book and which I'm going to document throughout this series. So please know that it does get better. And from an entertainment perspective, I know that was depressing as fuck, but it will get a bit lighter and more fun as we go on, I swear. Probably the best promise I can make, though, is that you will find your way through as well. And with at the risk of sounding like Dr. Phil, there really is a light at the end of the tunnel, and the fog of anxiety will lift for you eventually. It might not help happen overnight. Well, I can tell you now, it won't happen overnight, but you will get there. All I wanted when I was in that horrible place was for someone to tell me that this wasn't always how it was going to be for me. I just desperately wanted to hear that and unfortunately nobody was that person for me, that person who really knew how awful it was and had experienced it themselves and could tell me that everything would be okay. But hopefully I can be that person for you even if I don't know you personally. 
and if you're feeling emotional listening to this or feeling like you don't know how you'll ever find your feet or pick yourself back up again you will you'll own it thank you so much for joining me on my first episode and putting up with my technical glitches of which I'm sure there are many because I am technologically challenged and technology gives me anxiety but I hope you liked the content and I hope I haven't ruined your day with uh, my groom story or brought down your mood but next in the Owning It podcast we will look at exactly what anxiety is and why we feel it and what's happening in our brains and bodies when we experience it and so we'll get straight onto the business of dealing with it and looking at what actually worked for me so it'll be more practical and you will feel more empowered and like there is something you can do so I will have some really brilliant guests joining me going forward so I hope you'll join me again and I hope you'll join the Owning It revolution if I can I call it a revolution well I just did so there you go even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.